Amen. Well, I enjoyed that. Praise the Lord. Take your Bibles, if you would. Turn to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 1. 2 Chronicles chapter 1. I'm going to read a few verses there, and then I'm going to turn to James chapter 3. 2 Chronicles chapter 1, and then James chapter 3. If you want to go ahead and mark that as well. Uh, after we read 2 Chronicles, then we're going to go to James and stay in James for the message. I'm going to preach this morning on one word, uh, the word wisdom. Wisdom. I, uh, I'm sure that you have noticed the lack of wisdom in our world. Uh, I, I, I feel like that... Uh, Maybe uh, it, it may be that uh, wisdom is not taught anymore. Uh, I, I've kind of come to believe that uh, common sense is uh, out the window now, and uh, not not a lot of common sense out there. Uh, but I want to uh, I want to address this subject of wisdom this morning. Uh, before I do, let me. Uh, I've I've got several words of wisdom that I have found that I want to. Uh, give to you, and then we'll get into the Bible. Uh, words of wisdom. Don't sweat the petty things, and don't pet the sweaty things. So, word of wisdom, huh? About uh, one nice thing about egotists, they don't talk about other people. Uh Somebody told me this this morning. Age is a very high price you pay for maturity. Someone said, uh, women like silent men. They think they are listening. <laughs> I've always wondered about this. If one synchronized swimmer drowns, do the rest of them have to drown? If a number two pencil is the most popular, why is it still number two? I don't know, maybe you've never thought about these things before. Have you ever noticed that anyone going slower than you is an idiot and anyone going faster than you is a moron? My wife has noticed that <laughs> for sure about people that when I get in the car, it seems like all of the... People that can't drive get on the road when I'm driving. I've got one more for you. When it, uh, if everything seems to be going well, you've obviously overlooked something. <laughs> Words of wisdom. Well, that's enough foolishness. Let me get into the Bible. Look at uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 1. I'm going to look at verse, beginning of verse number 7, very familiar story to you and, uh, and I, maybe you've uh, read it in Kings, but uh, in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 7, uh, in that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said unto God, thou hast showed great mercy unto David my father and hast made him uh, made me to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord, let thy promise unto David my father be established, for thou hast made me king over this uh, people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Uh, 
Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this thy people that is so great? And God said to Solomon, because this, uh, because this was in thine heart, and thou hast, asked, uh, hast not asked riches, wealth, and honor, nor life of thine enemies, neither yet hast thou asked long life, but thou hast asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself, that thou mayest judge my people, over whom I have made thee king, Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee, and I will give thee riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had that have been before thee, neither shall there be any after thee uh, have, like, uh, have the like. Now turn to James chapter 3, if you will, James chapter 3, and we're going to stay there the rest of the message. James chapter 3, beginning in verse number 13, the Bible says, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have uh, bitter envying and strife in your heart, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For, there, for where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Let's bow for prayer and then we'll jump right into the message this morning. Father, thank you for this book that you've given us, Lord, that is filled with your wisdom. I pray, for, pray uh, Lord, that you would uh, impart wisdom to us this morning. Uh, Lord, help us to realize the importance of wisdom as we move forward in our church and in our personal lives. I pray, Father, that you'll uh, speak to our hearts this morning. Uh, Lord, you know what the need is of the people that are uh, here this morning. I pray that you'll meet their needs. And Father, uh, help me uh, to preach with boldness, with clarity. Uh, Lord, I want to say something that would be a great blessing and help to these folks that are here. And Lord, uh, if you'll allow me to do that, of course, I'll give you all the glory and all the honor for whatever gets accomplished. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God said to Solomon, ask what I shall give thee. It's, uh, it's like God gave Solomon, who was about 20 years old at the time, the equivalent of a blank check. And, uh, and Solomon did the honorable thing. I don't know that I would have done that. Certainly at 20 years old, I probably would not have done that. The honorable thing. Very humbly, he didn't ask selfishly, but he asked spiritually. And God said, to reward uh, this desire, I'm going to give you what you asked for and what you didn't ask for. So Solomon became both the wisest and the wealthiest in the world. Yep. Our world today suffers 
from the most serious lack of wisdom of all human history, as far as I can tell. Foolishness is rampant in our world today. Destruction of lives is in every city, in every corner of our country. And I think it's because of a lack of wisdom. So I want to talk to you this morning about wisdom. I have three thoughts for us this morning. Uh, three points, and then Hobart's going to come with a poem later. Three points and a poem. <laughs> uh, first of all, I want to talk about the priority of wisdom. The priority of wisdom. Uh, now, we're going to uh, be in James here, but I've got several things in, in the book of Proverbs to read to you, but uh, I have it all uh, typed up here. You can turn if you'd like, but uh, uh, the priority of wisdom, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, the Bible says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. The word principle means the main thing. It's the top priority. We need more uh, wisdom uh, than we need a good job. Uh, wisdom is way more important than a good job. Uh, wisdom is more important than having strength. Wisdom is more important than having health. Or uh, Wisdom is more important than anything. It should be the top priority. That's what the proverb says. Uh, James chapter 3 and verse number 13, we read that just a moment ago. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? James doesn't ask who's a rich man. He doesn't ask uh, who's the most popular man, who's the most powerful man, who's the most educated man. He don't ask any of that. He asks who is the wise man. And uh, so I've got three thoughts here about the priority of wisdom. First of all, wisdom is greater than monetary power. You may have a pocket full of money, but if you don't have any wisdom, uh, I want you to know that wisdom is greater than all the monetary power that you can accumulate. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13 to 16 says, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She, wisdom, is more precious than rubies. And all the things that thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Everything that you could desire in this world is not to be compared to wisdom. That's what the proverb says. All the things that thou canst desire are not to be compared to her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. If you want to have long life and you want to have riches and honor, then get wisdom. Because wisdom is greater than monetary power. I see not only that, but also wisdom is greater than military power. Now, uh, most of you know, uh, probably all of you know, I'm a military man. I uh, come from a military family. My dad retired from the military. Both of my brothers went in the military. Uh, my little brother retired. Uh, both of my son-in-laws went in the military. We have two grandkids in the military now. Uh, so I know a little bit about the military. And uh, the Bible tells us that wisdom is greater than military power. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 16 to 18 says, uh, uh, Then said I, wisdom is better than strength. 
Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. The words of the wise men are heard in a quiet more than the cry of them that ruleth among fools. Listen to this statement. Wisdom is better than the weapons of war. That's what, that's what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes. Wisdom is better than the weapons of war. What we need in the Pentagon is wisdom. What we need in the Oval Office is wisdom. What we need in our law enforcement in every town in America is wisdom. Now, I believe that we ought to be strong, and I think we ought to have the strongest military on the face of the earth. I think we ought to, uh, uh, I think peace comes through strength. I believe that. But to have the strength and not have the wisdom to use the strength is like seeing a balloon go all the way across the United States and not shooting it down. I, I, to me, that was just the, made absolutely no sense. Absolutely none. And, uh, and I'm not trying to be political this morning, but uh, I don't know. I tell you, I just, I think we need wisdom in the Oval Office. And we need wisdom in the Pentagon. The way I understand it, the president told him to shoot it down and our military leaders told him to wait. Are you kidding me? We need wisdom, do we not? The Bible says that wisdom is greater than monetary power. The Bible says that wisdom is greater than military power. The Bible also says that wisdom is greater than mental power. Mental power. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 4 through 9, the Bible says, He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, her is wisdom. And she shall preserve thee, love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give thine uh, head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she shall deliver to thee. Listen, wisdom uh, uh, with knowledge is what we... Wisdom is being compared to knowledge. And wisdom always comes first. Knowledge is important. But it will fail if it's not linked to wisdom. Obviously, I believe in knowledge. I've been, uh, I've been in the school of lifelong learning ever since I graduated from high school. Uh, one school after another. I'm taking courses even now. Uh, I have, uh, uh, I've got more degrees than a thermometer already, but I'm still taking courses from colleges. And, and uh, I'm in favor of education, of course. I'm the dean of the college. Uh, it's a good thing that the dean of the college is in favor of education, wouldn't you say? But I want you to know something, and I want the students in the college to understand something. And as long as I'm the dean of the college, I'm going to promote wisdom over education. Because wisdom is the principal thing. What good is it to give uh, uh, these young men and women all the knowledge that we can and them leave here and not have any wisdom to use it with? 
For wisdom gives you the ability to rightly apply the knowledge that you've been given. There was a big difference between being smart and being wise. There's four guys in an airplane, a pilot, a scientist, an elderly preacher, and a boy scout. And the plane developed some problems, and the pilot said, we're going to have to jump out. He said, the problem is we only have three parachutes. So the pilot said, the Air Force has spent thousands of dollars training me, so I have to live. So he grabbed a parachute and jumped out. The scientist says, I have the highest IQ there is. I have four PhDs. I'm probably the smartest man in the world. I need to live. And he jumped. The elderly preacher looked at the Boy Scout and said, Son, I've lived a long life and you have your whole life ahead of you. He said, Please take the parachute and jump. The Boy Scout said, No, sir. So we can both live. The preacher said, How's that possible? He said, because the smartest man in the world just jumped out wearing my backpack. (laughs) I think I would rather have wisdom. (laughs) The priority of wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. It's the most important thing. I do not believe that you would ever go wrong teaching your children the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom. I think you ought to read it every day. I read Proverbs, uh, one chapter in Proverbs every day, one chapter in Acts, and one chapter, I mean five chapters in Psalms every day of my life. I read Psalms for my heart, I read Proverbs for my mind, and I read Acts for my feet. When I read the book of Proverbs, it helps me to think straight and gives me wisdom When I read the book of Psalms, it keeps my heart tender. When I read the book of Acts, I want to go do something for the Lord. My prayer is that God will give me the mind of a Baptist, the heart of a Pentecostal, and the feet of a Jehovah Witness. (laughs) You ought to read Proverbs. Amen. You ought to study Proverbs. Proverbs was written to the simple and the young. The simple are those that are unpleaded. They're not permanently folded. How many of you ever heard this about an old man? He's set in his ways. Did you know young people are not set in their ways yet? And we can, can, we can influence them. And the book of Proverbs can influence their lives. And they can gain wisdom by studying the book of Proverbs. And I think we ought to encourage that. We ought to encourage it in our school. We ought to encourage, we ought to encourage it in our homes. The priority of wisdom. Number two, let me give you the product of wisdom. The product of wisdom. Wisdom produces, number one, goodness. Goodness in your life. James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is a wise man and uh, endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out a good conversation. His works with meekness and wisdom. Goodness is a byproduct of wisdom. It is the result of having wisdom. When you see someone that is a good person, they're a good person because they have some wisdom about them. Wisdom is produce, uh, produces goodness. 
Not only does wisdom produce goodness, but it also produces gentleness. Sometimes, uh, uh, especially a man like me that uh, uh, was uh, raised in the military, raised in a military family, uh, there was no second chances with my dad. Uh, He told you to do something. If you didn't do it, he hit you. We We have a society now where the kids are told to do something, and if they don't do it, then you... Tell them again, if they don't do it, then you threaten them. And if they don't do it, then you threaten them even harder. And if they don't do it, uh, then you, uh, you uh, still threaten them. And by the time you do that two or three times, the kids know that uh, uh, I don't have to obey this time. I can wait until the fourth time before dad's going to hit me. So uh, you think kids aren't that smart? I guarantee you they are. Wisdom produces gentleness. I needed that. My girls would cry. I tell you, the worst thing in the world is to see a girl cry. It just kills me. I, I melt. My wife knows that. And I think she taught the, my daughters that early on. If you want to get something from daddy, just cry. I just melt. I can't stand it. I, I can't handle seeing the girls cry. I tell them, you stop crying. Stop that crying. I'll give you something to cry about. I couldn't stand it. I found out after I started studying the Word of God and I started studying wisdom, I started trying to become more wise, that God put a gentleness in my heart. So much so that some of my men were saying that I had become a cream puff. Well, that just stirred up the old Brother Dave, you know, the military guy. I locked their heels when they do that. Amen? Wisdom produces gentleness. The Bible says in James chapter 3, verse 13, Who is a wise man endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out a good conversation of his works with meekness. With meekness of wisdom. Meekness is power under control. It's kind of like if you went out west and you uh, caught a wild stallion out west. And you, uh, uh, and you uh, uh, harnessed that thing and domesticated it. Uh, when I was a boy, we used to uh, break horses uh, uh, in, a, in a pond. We'd take them down in the pond where they couldn't kick and jump on their back and ride them around in the water and stuff so they wouldn't kick. And once they got used to you being on their back, then we could walk out of the pond with them. And, and uh, uh, they would still buck a little bit, but not near like they would if you just jumped on them. But uh, you go out west and you catch a wild stallion out west and you, uh, and you break him and you domesticate him. Uh, you, uh, uh, you break that horse. You know what you've done? You have brought him to a point of weakness. He's under control now. Meekness is power under control. You know that, old, that stallion still has the same drive and the same strength and the same, uh, uh, the same uh, 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 endurance that it always had? Uh, it still has the same uh, uh, abilities that it always had, but those uh, attributes have been brought under control. That's what meekness is. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. It's power under control. It's being under control. You know what God wants us to do? He wants us to be a meek and quiet spirit. That's what he wants. Jesus was a meek man. He wasn't weak. He was under control. 
Wisdom will help you to be meek. It'll help you to be gentle. It'll help you to have control. You know, uh, Jesus was meek, and you can be the boss, but you don't have to throw your weight around. You don't have to have it your way all the time. The product of wisdom, goodness, and gentleness. I've given you so far the priority of wisdom. I've given you the product of wisdom. And now out of verse number 17, James chapter 3, I want to give you the power of wisdom. Out of James uh, chapter 3, verse 17. The power of wisdom. The verse says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. The power of wisdom. I have four or five things here. First of all, wisdom overcomes sin. The word purity here in this verse is not talking about moral purity, although uh, I believe that you could apply it there. It's talking about uh, being pure about uh, your life of sin. Uh, overcoming sin or first pure in your life. I think that you ought to live a pure, clean life without sin. Amen. And wisdom will help you to overcome sin in your life. There's some people that uh, uh, they say they can't help it. Well, I will tell you this. If you'll gain a little bit of wisdom, then you can help it. And uh, you can overcome sin in your life if you're have some wisdom, because wisdom helps you uh, to have eyes to see the price tag of sin. I know, and you know, that there is pleasure in sin, but it's only for a season, the Bible tells us. The Bible also says, be sure your sin will find you out. And I think only a wise person will realize that. Wisdom helps us to overcome sin. Number two, wisdom helps us to overcome strife. The Bible says not only, uh, not only pure, first pure, but then peaceable. Peaceable. We have, uh, uh, we have a world that, uh, listen, if you can't get along with your own brothers and sisters, how in the world do we expect countries to get along with one another? There, there's strife on every hand. There's fighting and bickering back and forth, and it ought not be that way, especially with God's children. Amen. I may disagree with Brother Dan about something, but we're not going to fight about it. Amen. In honor preferring one another, the Bible says. You know what? We get, we get in a, me and Jane get in the car. I said, where do you want to eat? She says, I don't care. I said, okay, we'll go to McDonald's. She said, I ain't eating at McDonald's. I said, I thought you said you didn't care. She said, well, you know I don't like McDonald's. I said, yeah, but you said you don't care. And then she says to me, where do you want to eat? I said, I don't care. <laughs> and I mean it. <laughs> I'll eat McDonald's. I don't care. You know what we do? We, we, I don't know, there's strife about that. And, and it's almost like every day, it's like, uh, uh, you, I picked yesterday, it's your turn. I know y'all don't do that, but that's, I don't know, that's the only way, that's, we don't have anything else to argue about, so we have to argue about that. We got into 
some of that the other day in the office, and Mrs. Swain was laughing at us. That's like my girls. Every time they hear us fussing like that, they, they start laughing. Y'all don't even know how to fight. <laughs> my girls are they're good at it. Hey, listen, wisdom will help you overcome strife. There's a whole lot of things in this world that are not going to go your way. And you got to have enough wisdom to know that it's not something that we need to be fighting about. We ought to learn to get along with one another. At least in the house of God, we ought to get along with one another. I've seen people in churches that won't speak to one another. I've seen it in this church. When I was here in Bible college, there was a couple men that sat on the, the amen benches on that side, and a couple guys sat on the ones on that side, and they never would speak to each other. When we had handshaking, one went one way, he'd watch the other guy to see which way he was going so they wouldn't have to meet with each other. It ought not be that way. Wisdom will help you to overcome strife. I believe this, you're either a peacemaker or you're a troublemaker. Amen. I want to be a peacemaker. I see also in this verse that wisdom will help you to overcome stubbornness. Stubbornness. The Bible says gentle, then peaceable, then gentle is the next word. Well, I've already talked about a little bit about that. Uh, meekness. Gentle. Wisdom recognizes the time to stand and the time to be flexible. I think there are some things that I'm going to stand for, but there are some other things that I might not stand for. I might be a little bit flexible. Matter of fact, in the book of Psalms, there's one verse that says, I shall not be moved. And I believe there are some things that I shall not ever be moved about. Like the King James Bible. Like the virgin birth. Amen. I'm not going to be moved. I'm not going to be moved off of the blood atonement. I'm not going to be moved in that. But then there are some other things. The very next verse says, there are, uh, I shall not be greatly moved. Which means I'll move, but I'm not going to move a lot. There are some things that I will move a little bit on. There are other things that I won't move at all on. For instance... Uh, I don't know how you feel about this, and I really don't care. You remember this is Brother Dave. You know, right? You know. I was taught that if you preach, you have to wear a white shirt. That it, uh, it's, I don't know, something wrong with wearing colored shirts in the pulpit. And when I was taught that, you know what I did? The very next Sunday, I wore a black shirt. Because I'm a rebel, I guess. I don't know, but just stubborn. I took the children's home to Michigan when I was the director of the children's home. Brother Don Green was a pastor of the church up there. I don't know if you remember this or not. Some of you will. When I was in Bible college, I had a mustache. Uh, when I... Uh, when I got out of the army, I was so tired of having to trim that thing. It looked like Hitler, you know, when you're in the military. And, 
And so I decided I was going to grow a mustache. And man, I had me a big old woolly worm on there, you know. And, and uh, took the kids up to Brother Green's. And he said to me when we got there, he said, Now, Brother Nolfsinger, are you planning on preaching in the morning? I said, Sir, I'll be glad to if you want me to. He said, You'll have to shave that mustache if you're going to preach for me. He said, I don't believe in having facial hair in the pulpit. And uh, I said, well, we'll see. <laughs> I didn't shave it, and I didn't preach either. <laughs> I was stubborn. I was stubborn. You know, I found out a long time after that, but there are some things that I ought to be stubborn about, but there are some other things that I, I need to just give in on. And one of them is shaving off a mustache. <laughs> it wasn't a big deal. I took a church up in Indiana, and the, the chairman of the pulpit committee said, what do you feel about beards? I said, well, I think most men have them. And he said, uh, uh, do you think uh, it's okay for a man to grow a beard? I said, I don't think he's much of a man if he can't. <laughs> I didn't have a clue why he was asking me that until I got there and I found out that he had a full beard. He was, one of the, he was the head deacon. <laughs> I thought he would have looked funny if he didn't have a beard. The whole time I was there, he always had a beard. I don't have a problem with that. I used to have a problem with it. But you know what? After gaining a little bit of wisdom, I realized that there are some things that I need to be flexible about. Amen. You know what? You can't always have your way. I hope you understand that. We're going through a transition right now in our church, and, and uh, there's going to be some, uh, uh, some times where we're just going to have to not get our way about things. Uh, we don't have a, we don't have anybody in charge right now. You know, it's like uh, uh, if I'm here, I'm in charge. If Scott's here, he's in charge. If Dan's here, he's in charge. But I don't know. We just don't have any. People are coming to us all the time saying, uh, what do I do about this? What do I do about that? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm the dean of the college, man. I don't know what to do. And I found out that in order for us to make it through a transition like this, we've all got to learn to be a little bit more flexible. We can't demand our way about things. We have to be flexible. And I believe that wisdom will help us with that. Wisdom is what's going to help our church get to the next point. Wisdom. We ought to be praying that God will give wisdom to those that are in leadership. We ought to pray that God will give wisdom to the pulpit committee and that God will give wisdom uh, to our deacons and uh, to those that are directing ministries in our church. We ought to pray that God will give them wisdom because they need to make decisions on a daily basis. And they need wisdom from above that is first pure, then peaceable and gentle. And then also, uh, wisdom not only helps overcome sin and strife and stubbornness, but wisdom overcomes selfishness. It's not easily entreated. It's not always all about you. Amen. As a matter of fact, it's all about Him. Amen. I want... 
the Lord to have his way in my life. I don't want to necessarily have my way. I want the Lord to have his way. And I believe that if I'm walking right, then my way, the way that I desire and the way that God desires will be the same. Amen. The Bible says, delight thyself in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of your heart. I believe that the desires that I have in my heart are desires that God put there. And if I delight in myself in the Lord, and I am, then he's going to put the desires in my heart. And then I move in the direction of my desires. I believe that God will close and open doors if I'm headed in the wrong direction. Selfishness. You know, wisdom helps you to overcome selfishness. I don't have to have my way about everything. Amen. Let me give you a couple more and I'll be done. Number, I think it's number five. Number next, whatever it is. Wisdom overcomes snobbiness. It says without partiality. I don't know if you've uh, experienced this or not, but I certainly have. Snobbiness. Or maybe that's not a word, I don't know. Snobbishness. Maybe that's what it is. I've gone to these preachers' meetings, and, and by the way, when I first took my church, uh, uh, it was small. And uh, I was insignificant as a pastor, you know. We only had three or four people, and, and uh, uh, me and Jane and uh, two girls and three or four ladies, and that's it. Just uh, eight or nine of us, you know. And, and I go to a preacher's fellowship, and nobody paid attention to me. I was insignificant. And then my church started growing, and, and uh, we, uh, we got up about 50, 60, 70, uh, up to about 100, and uh, go to a preacher's fellowship, and I was their best friend. We were all buddies. Uh, we were all on the same level. And then when my church kept growing, and we got up about 200, uh, uh, 250, 300, all of a sudden, I'm a compromiser now. Because my church has grown bigger than theirs. So the only way that you can have a big church is you've got to compromise. Well, guess what? I didn't compromise. I still preached back then like I still preach now. I'm not changing. I didn't change then. I'm not going to change now. And I'm going to tell you, I believe God honors uh, the fact that I stayed with the stuff and I've been faithful down through the years. And then those other preachers are going to snob me when I go to the preacher's meetings. I see it in churches all the time. One family gets to thinking that they're more important to the ministry than another family and they won't have anything to do with one another. They snob each other. I want you to understand something. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. And you didn't get, listen, you got in the same way I got in. Amen. Amen. We all, listen, we're all going to heaven the same way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. You didn't get in because of your family name. You got in because you went through Christ. That's the only way any of us are getting in. And you're not better than me, and I'm not better than you. Amen. Everybody is somebody. And everybody is nobody when it comes to Christ. You know, uh, Jesus is not the number one on my list. 
He's on a list all by himself. Amen. Wisdom helps you to overcome snobbiness, snobishness. Some of you, some of you intelligent people can tell me what that word is. I'd rather have wisdom, but uh, the last thought. Now's the time to say amen. Wisdom will help you to overcome shams. Shams. I want you to look at that verse again. The last couple words there says, without uh, partiality, without hypocrisy. Shams. You know what wisdom will do? Wisdom will help you to be real. It'll help you to be real. When I left here to go pastor a church, I realized that a lot of people that went to certain colleges acted a certain way. It's like uh, uh, they go to a college and, and uh, everybody that comes out of that college, they all have exactly the same haircut. They all have uh, exactly the same clothes. You know, if you went to Tennessee Temple, you got to wear a double-breasted suit. And, and uh, uh, if you went to this college or you went to that college, they come out looking just like the whoever... Uh, was the in charge of the colleges? It's almost like there's a uh, there's there's a, a man behind the curtain pumping out uh, little preacher boys that look just like them. They robots going around the country. Like don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain. I'm telling you, that's the way it was when I left here. And uh, I noticed all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I've seen uh, guys that, that graduated at one school, they act one way. And guys that graduated at another school acted another way. And, and uh, uh, it's like, uh, uh, you know, if you didn't go to this school, then you're an idiot. And if you didn't go to that school, then, uh, you know, all the smart people go to this school. And, and I'm like, I went to Tabernacle. And everybody said, where's that? I like that. I said, that's down in Greenville, South Carolina. Dr. Harold Seitler was my pastor. Oh, I've heard of him. Well, I don't act like Dr. Seitler. You know who I act like? Brother Dave. You know, some of you won't like me. Some of you will. So what? You know, I'm trying to please one person. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, listen, we, we, we sometimes put on a show uh, when we uh, get a position of leadership and we want everybody to think that we're something that we're not. And the Bible says, uh, without hypocrisy, without having a false face on. Let me tell you something. When you see me, you see me. I told my wife and my girls when I started serving the Lord... I said, I don't want anybody to ever be able to say you're a hypocrite. I'm going to act the same at home and the, uh, the same way at Walmart and the same way in the church. I'm going to act the same everywhere. Why? Because I'm never not a Christian. I'm always a Christian. And I have enough wisdom that I don't have to put on a show for anybody. Amen. I'm not acting like a Christian. I am a Christian. Amen. This is just me. He said, well, I don't like it. Well, maybe I don't like you either. <laughs> you know, 
I think we ought to get over ourselves a little bit. Hey, man, some of you need to look in a mirror. You probably laugh a little bit. Amen. Let me tell you what wisdom will do. Wisdom will help you to overcome the sham in your life. And you'll stop being a hypocrite. I heard about an old farmer that the preacher was trying to get him to come to church. And uh, he said, I ain't going down there to that church. There ain't nothing but a bunch of hypocrites down there. So the preacher was trying to figure out a way to get the old farmer to come to his church. And he heard that the farmer's old sow had had a bunch of pigs. And so he went down and he was going to buy a pig from the farmer. And he went down looked at the pigs. The old sow had eight or nine pigs. And so he's looking over the pigs. And he said, I believe I want that little one right there. He said, oh, you don't want that one. That's the runt. He said, yeah, I believe I want that one right there. He said, what in the world are you going to do with that pig? He said, I'm going to drive around all over town, and I'm going to tell everybody in town that this is the kind of pigs you raise. <laughs> he said, why would, I, why, why would you do that? He said, well, that's what you do about the church. You pick the worst person in the whole church, and then you say, well, that's the kind of people down at that church down there. They're all a bunch of hypocrites. You know what you're doing? You're picking the worst pig in the bunch to decide about. Hey, let me tell you something, folks. Why don't you just concentrate on being the best Christian you can be? Amen. Amen. I work on me being a good Christian all the time. I don't, I don't try to get you to be a good Christian. I try to get you to follow the Lord. You do what the Lord tells you to do. And I'm going to do what the Lord tells me to do. Be a good Christian. Wisdom. Three things about wisdom. Let me give them to you. The priority of wisdom should be first. The product of wisdom and the power of wisdom. God, give me wisdom. I want wisdom. I'm going to continue reading the book of Proverbs every month. Every day I'm going to read a chapter in Proverbs because I need wisdom. And I want God to give it to me. Let's all stand. Heads bowed, eyes closed. We'll have an invitation. Maybe you need to find you a place at the altar and say, Lord, give me wisdom. I've got decisions that I have to make. And I've got uh, uh, things coming up in my life and in our home that I need to make wise decisions about. And I need your wisdom as I approach these decisions. God forbid that I make a decision about anything without consulting the Lord about it. I need God's wisdom. And you need God's wisdom. Brother Stephen's going to sing a song for us and invitation. Won't you come and find you an altar and do business with God this morning? Oh, to be like thee. Blessed Redeemer, this is my constant longing and prayer. Gladly I'll forfeit all of earth's treasures, Jesus thy perfect likeness to wear. Oh, to
to be like thee, oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, pure as thou art. Come in thy sweetness, come in thy fullness, stamp thine own image deep on my heart. Oh, to be like thee, full of compassion, loving, forgiving, tender and kind, helping the helpless, sharing the fainting, seeking the wandering, sinner to find. Oh, to be like thee, oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, pure as thou art. Come in thy sweetness, Come in thy fullness, stamp thine own image deep on my heart. Amen, amen. Look up here for just a minute. I'd like for you to, a show of hands here. How many of you will say, Brother Dave, with God helping me, I'm going to be praying for our pulpit committee and our deacon board and for Brother Scott, and for me, and those that are in positions of leadership in our church over the next several weeks or months, however long it is, until the Lord directs us to the next pastor. But I'm going to pray that God will give our church wisdom in moving forward. Would you do that? Would you? Praise the Lord. I wish you could see that, Brother Dan. Uh, we're going to pray that the deacons and the pulpit committee will have the wisdom of God as they make decisions that will impact the entire church and I think they know that they realize the gravity of those decisions that they have to make and they are praying that God will give them wisdom and I think we ought to pray for them as well so uh, let's do that well let's uh, be dismissed in a word of prayer this morning uh, thank you for your attention and uh, I appreciate the opportunity of course to uh, be able to preach the word of God I've, I don't take it lightly I, I really do appreciate it Jonathan come up here and dismiss us in prayer Hurry up. These young guys can run. I can't run. There you go. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you, Lord, for the message. I pray that you'll uh, give us wisdom, Lord. You, you did say in your word, Lord, in the book of James, it said, You give to all men liberally and upbraideth not, Lord. I pray that you'll give us wisdom, Lord. Help us to keep in prayer for the pulpit committee, Lord, and for the future of this church, Lord God. pray that you'll help us uh, keep us safe on the way home. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.